Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And back again, we have Jason Reed, the biggest Cam fan I know. And of course, it is fitting that Reed is back with us today, as Cam is also back. But before we get there, fellas, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, sir. How about, how about yourself? And, and Mr. Reed, glad to have you back, first of all. Sorry. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm back in the blue and black. I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. My panties are good. Cam is good. We're prepping <laughs> for, week, for this game week. Where Cam should, you know, start. And we'll see how that goes, you know. Of course. One day at a time. Of course. So, as always, we go off the rip. And off the rip this week, there is no other place that we can start when we have the Cam fans around than the fact that Cam is back. So as we saw just this past week, it was announced that Cam Newton has returned to the Carolina Panthers. He is back wearing the number one jersey. And no sooner did he get into the game then he ran for a touchdown. And then the next drive, when he came back in the red zone, he threw for a touchdown. Cam started with two touchdowns on his first two plays. And of course, he took his helmet off and told the world, I'm back. So, Reed, you said that you wanted a job for number one. Number one has a job. How are you feeling, sir? Uh... I mean, good about it, to be honest. I, I was, I'm still a bit surprised. Even as I said to, to Ajay uh, in, the, in the chat, I said, I mean, when we were discussing it earlier in the season, one of the teams that I said weren't settled at quarterback was, would have been the Panthers. I didn't really expect them to go back to camp, to be honest. I really did not expect that. So that was really a left field situation. And to see them go back to camp is like, some humble play is like they're desperate <laughs> something is happening there that just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. you know so but i am happy i am not overly uh excited about the two touchdowns because the cardinals were just that that was a bye week for the cardinals in some ways um the major stars were out and so forth and i mean so i'm not overly optimistic about those two little plays i need to see cam in the game a, a full game throwing to receivers and throwing steady, getting the ball in the right places, not throwing interceptions. So that's my, my take on that for this, for this point. All right. So, AJ, what about you? When you see Cam is oh. back in Carolina, what's your reaction? Well, first of all, Reed, I am, I am flabbergasted by your <laughs> subtle and submissive response. I, was, I really was not expecting – I wasn't expecting that response <laughs> I'll be very honest, but um, okay. So initially, my first reaction was honestly was one of confusion. I'm like, what? I, I feel like I I couldn't understand it at the point in time. But then the more I thought about it, and the more yeah, the more I thought about it to myself and saw discussions going on. Well, this is of my own mind. Well, I I kind of realized, you know what? This has to be a move a move for the future. Um, there's no way that you're bringing in Cam Newton at this point in time in the season to try to save your season. He's a com- completely different skill set from Sam Darnold. Essentially what it is, it seems like 
Well, we, we've all seen with our own eyes that, that the Sam Donald experiment has not worked. It, it looked really good in the first three weeks when they beat up on the Texans and the Jets uh, as, as, uh, very early on. But then after that, it really hasn't worked. And really, like I said to you in the chat, the, the Panthers have been bad for longer than they've been good. So the Sam Donald experiment hasn't worked. They haven't tied Sam Donald down long-term, so they're not, they don't owe him anything. They're not tied to him long-term. This was it's supposed to be his fifth year, right? So they took a fifth No, year. this is fourth year. They fourth, picked up fourth. his option. Okay. So he has one more year with them. One more year, okay. This. Right, but either way, they don't owe him a big set. Um, so they can, they can move off of him, but I don't think that they're convinced. No, Matt Rule, in his first presser after they brought back Cam, said that, they're trying to have a, a, a ticket-take parade in, in Carolina. I, I ain't sure if he mean that or Macy's parade. Or I, I know it can't be some, any, any sort of celebratory uh, parade he's talking about. He, as well as everyone else, knows that the Panther season is done. That move is a look forward to 2022, where they can... It, it, it's about getting Cam in now with enough time to get him uh, ingratiated back into this team for 2022. There's no way I'm convinced that this move is to save this season. That, that's basically all it is. It, it's, it's, it's just a move to secure a quarterback for the near future because, and, and, and in addition to all of that, it's, it's already well publicized that the 2022 draft is not very full of quarterback talent. And there are not many um, very good quarterbacks just ambling, uh, ambling around, like waiting for jobs. So it's, 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 it's a more, more long-term move, I would say. So as you as you just eloquently said, KJ, the Sam Donald experiment for the Panthers has run a very short course. Um, I do not put all of the blame for what has happened in Carolina on the shoulders of Sam Donald. Just like you didn't put all of the blame for what happened with him in New York mm-hmm. on his shoulders as well. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule has not been very good with his quarterbacks. He has not put Sam Donald in my opinion, in the best position to succeed, especially mm-hmm. when he did not have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Mm-hmm. But all that aside, for Cam now, Cam coming back to Carolina, you said it's not about saving this season. In a way, it kind of is, but not from the footballing perspective, in my opinion. It's about generating enough buzz around the team to keep people coming. Because if Sam Darnold was the quarterback, people aren't going to come because you're not going... First off, NFL tickets to go to games are expensive as hell, especially if you don't want to sit down in the nosebleed seats. Nobody's selling out a big lot of money to come and watch Sam Darnold give the ball away. But if you bring back Cam, that is hearkening back to the happy days of Ron Rivera and getting to a Super Bowl. It does not matter that Cam is not that quarterback anymore. It does not matter that Cam, in and of himself, is really not that good in 2021. It just matters that Cam is going to come and give what they want. He's going to come and give them an energy, a boost, a lift to the team. And then they'll just see where it ends. No, as you said, the 2022 draft is not replete with quarterbacks. So not having a quarterback that you can trust going forward is still a problem. And sooner or later, I, I can let you jump back in here, Ray, but I, can but I, I, I almost put you on the Stephen A. time out there, Jason. I almost got <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what, what proof do you have that he's not good in 2021, Ken? So let's see. 
No, what's, um, what, what's your proof? Raise your Cam, evidence. Cam was okay in the preseason. He was okay in the preseason. But he's only played preseason football. Yeah, so, so what is your proof? The fact that he's only played preseason football. If Cam was better, if Cam was at the standard that not just I, but those in the league were convinced that Cam would be good enough, Cam would not be no getting a job and knocking back up with Carolina that has no you hope be of kidding me. You got to be kidding me. I, I, I think it has to be more than that when it comes to Cam because the quarterbacks are getting opportunities that are not good and they have not been ever, have, they've never been good. But they're getting opportunities because people are hurt. You will love Cam right now in, in, in New Orleans. Um, no, I wouldn't. Don't give me that. No, I wouldn't. Why would <laughs> I want? Why would <laughs> I want Cam? Why would I want Cam in New Orleans? All right, let's 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 put it this way, right? Remember what Cam looked like in New England last season when all he had was an okay running game, but he had no skill position players on the outside to catch the ball. New Orleans currently doesn't have skilled position players outside to catch the ball. We have Alvin Kamara, but Alvin Kamara is just the Christian McCaffrey equivalent in New Orleans. To bring Cam in, we do not have a quarterback. He is not a quarterback that is going to throw guys open. He's not going to give men the opportunities that they can't manufacture for themselves. Why would I want Cam? I don't need Cam. I don't need a Cam. Washington quarterback is better than Cam. Uh, in your eyes, yes. the, the Jets famous the Mr. White showed up and showed up and know what what happened um this week. Jets has they have a better quarterback than Cam. Come on, Ken. Come on. I mean, to, uh, to be fair, I I don't I I don't think you can put the Jets situation in that though. Correct. The, <laughs> the Jets, that's a that's a yeah that's a different because the the I mean the Jets haven't really handled their quarterback situation very well. But they're not going to bring in Cam as a backup to the rookie that they essentially handed all the keys to and said, look, just take us wherever. I agree. But all I'm saying is that don't tell me that Cam is bad. Don't tell me that Cam is bad. You have no proof. You know? No proof. <laughs> don't worry. We will bring you back closer to the end of the season where we have some games to look back on. Yeah. To see whose point, a recap. Yeah. yeah, to see whose point has been validated on point. this one. But, but one thing quickly on this before we move on, uh, mm-hmm. Jay said something that sparked my interest as he said that he believed that Cam was brought back not just for this season, but for for the next season, which is a little, I mean, heartening for me to hear, and <laughs> it makes some sense as well in terms of the contract. When I saw the figures in the contract, mm-hmm. and the season is almost halfway or so, and you're bringing him in, and he can get almost ten million dollars from you for the remaining games that, that are there. I mean, so I, I think what you said makes some sense because I guess mm-hmm. Sam Darnell, Darnell seems to be out from the equation. And and, and so I, I would love to see that and see how he fits in with having a year to prepare and so on and coming with a good offseason and so forth. I would like to see that. I, I honestly think that's what it is. Okay. All right. So now that we've, we've given... An opportunity for a therapy session for the cam level. Now we'll move on to the games. And of course, you know, we like to go through it through the blitz. And this week, last week was upset central. However, this week has been blowout bay because many teams have gotten their doors blown off this week. Some of them were, I guess you could say that they would have been expected. 
Others were very unexpected. And then, of course, you know, there was one game where nobody won and nobody lost. So, gentlemen, as we get started on the Blitz, you know, we like to do it. Who is, well, start with you, Reed, as you are our guest today. Who is your biggest winner for this past week? For me, and I, I mean, I hate to do this, but I, I put the Patriots as the biggest winners for this, for this week. Uh, taking them to six and four, I think that's a very good and decent record for this team that is trying to push its way back into contention. And so I think they have a good a good record. And, and for me personally, I don't think, I think they, they're getting better as well, getting better. The defense is what it is. And it can only get better as well. I think the quarterback, he's getting better with as, as he goes along. He's getting more confident and so on. And I will say this as well. I don't think m- there are many teams that will like to face them in the first round of the playoffs. That's just me. So I would put them in my category of biggest winners. All right, AJ, over to you. Who is your biggest winner for this week? That threw me off a little bit because I was not expecting anyone to say the pass because I was about to say the pass. <laughs> I, I, I was genuinely going to be a homer and say it's my pass, but let, uh, let me let me kind of add on a bit more to what Reed said because um, my points weren't necessarily about our record and what you said. But Reed, thank you for that, though. I appreciate that. Um, I'll say the pass because I, I won't lie to you guys, right? I expected us to win that game. From the time I saw Nick, Nick Chubb out, knowing that Kareem Hunt is already out, I know Dionis Johnson had a very good game a few weeks back, but he alone wasn't going to do that. It wasn't, I'm sorry, going to be able to carry that backfield. I expected us to win. There's, I have a friend of, of mine who she's also a pass fan in Grenada. She messages me every time our game kicks off. And I told her, look, we are going to win this game. Why I say we're the biggest winners is because I didn't expect this kind of dominance. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I did expect is us to take away the running game because you know that's what Cleveland is predicated on. And basically forced Baker to be the man. No, I, you know, we've gone back and forth talking ad nauseum about Baker Mayfield, Ken, but I was under no illusions that Baker Mayfield is going to win a game against a very good defense. We have a very good defense, right? So I knew that once we forced Baker to be the center of attention, he would make mistakes and we'd win the game. I honestly didn't expect that level of dominance. And to be honest, it was, it was our biggest and, and biggest win of the season, not just by point differential, but in terms of just the sheer optics. Because, I mean, look at the other wins we had. It was the, the Jets. Um, we barely beat the Texans. Um, who, well, we beat the Chargers, but in a close game. This, this was the win. This was the win of the season. Because, look, now it has everyone looking and saying, oh, well, are the Pats legit? The Pats are getting better, as we just said. No, the Pats are a topic because we manhandled the Browns, who just came from manhandling the Bengals. So, for me... Easily biggest winner. All right, so I'm not going to go with the two of you, although no. But the thing is, I did have the the Patriots, the Patriots as mm-hmm. one of the biggest winners of the week. It would be impossible to not include them when they can mm-hmm. win a game 45 to seven. However, I actually have the Dallas Cowboys as the biggest winner this week. No, it is not that the Dallas Cowboys win was unexpected because they were going up against the Falcons, who some folks that um, like teams from the same division, not me, others, call them the Pigeons. However, <laughs> when you look at what happened against the, when the Dallas Cowboys, who did they play last week? That they, they completely wet the bed against. 
Um, last week, the Broncos. Broncos, they, right. Broncos. The Broncos came into Jerry's world and stomped them flat. But then they bounced back in an, in an impressive fashion, completely dismantling the Falcons. 43 to 3 is no fluke. That's a 40 point difference between mm-hmm. these two teams. And when you consider as well, what their defense was able to do to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, for some, is still a good quarterback. I would say he's a good quarterback. He's not great. He's not elite. He's a good quarterback. Agreed. But he had a 21.4 passer rating, the lowest in a game in his 14-year career. To be able to do that to him, of course, we still had uh, Trayvon Diggs, who also had a pick in this game. There, everything came out roses for the Cowboys that went wrong for them the week before. So, yeah, I got to give them some credit. I have to give them their flowers this week and consider them as the biggest winner, not just because they had the biggest point differential. Yeah, but Ken, the Falcons are very weak. And, and, and <laughs> the Cowboys were embarrassed the game before. Even they themselves said that they were overconfident. They, they thought that they would have going to walk and just easily win that game against the Broncos. So they came up with a vengeance. And they came out to, to really show people that look, we are really, we are legit. And they had the opportunity against the Beijings, as you call them. <laughs> no big, big winners there. That, that was, you were expected to win that game as the Cowboys. You are a Super Bowl contender. You are expected to reach a Super Bowl. Nobody expects the Falcons so to do. Yeah, fair point. But I still look at the fact that, you know, it's a 40-point difference. For to beat any team in the NFL by 40 points, especially if that team is not named the Jets, that is something that you have to, you know, you got you have to give some level of credit for because mm-hmm. these are all professionals. And if you can beat a professional team 40 by 40 points, then you have to you have to take something for that. Now, from the biggest winner, then it's over to the biggest loser. And I know we've got quite a lot of options with these blokes this week. So, Reed, I'll start with you again. Who's your biggest loser this week? Steelers. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you draw against the winless Lions. I, I mean, even though you, your quarterback is out, you're expected to win this game, man. Uh, your, your defense is supposed to be an elite defense. You're supposed to win this game. To draw that game, I got I have them as the biggest losers. They needed that to keep their momentum. But for me, as I said, the Steelers and Mike Tomlin, yes, great coach, people say. But Steelers are just there, there about every season. They, they're no real contenders. They're just there or there about. I think that there needs to be more, needs to be expected from the Steelers. And for me, to draw against the Lions... Nah, that's that's a loss. <laughs> well, they will say it was not a loss, but it still wasn't a win. So, AJ, who is your biggest loser this week? Um, I'm kind of glad really went in that direction. Now, there were so many losers this week <laughs> that could fit into this category. So, mm-hmm. Kenna, I hope you don't have the same names, but you know, I usually only do one, but I feel like I need to mention two this week. Sure. Number one is... I, I, because I, I need to rant on this a little bit. Number one, for me, the number one answer is the LA Rams, right? After all this hullabaloo with them signing uh, one of the best um, pass rushers ever in Vaughn Miller, 
He had three tackles. Um, and, and, and let's not forget, he was also bullied by a tight end in George Kittle. Bullied. Um, you all saw that clip, right? I have not. This, so there is, an, there is an actual clip on a play where George Kittle basically took the man to the ground. This is the Von Miller that everyone was so excited and said um, would make the Rams instant Super Bowl contenders. I remember I told you I was not that convinced. Mind you, I get that. It's still early. They still need to get in him and OBJ, who's the other one they signed, right? I, I get it. It's still early. They still need to get into uh, um, the, the swing of things with this team. But that was a pathetic performance. It, it really was. And from a team that's supposed to be basically very good defensively, they have like all-time players in, in, at each level. But outside of that, it, the defense is, is just average. They're not built to stop the run. Every time they, they face a team, look at the teams that have beat them and have manhandled them. The Titans too. Well, well, it, it was the same thing against the Titans. Just run them over for the entire game. Just run over them. And that's it. I mean, in, in the secondary, they did a decent enough job, you know, but it's, it's just, <laughs> I don't know if y'all got to see that game, but it was, it was actually kind of embarrassing. Debo Samuel, okay, Debo Samuel had his way with that defense all night long like Lionel Richie. <laughs> the, the man was unstoppable. Yeah, the man was unstoppable. They were throwing at him. It was giving him uh, 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 the, the ball in the backfield to run, and no one, absolutely no one could stop this man. And we're talking about a, a Niners team that most people had given up on. Just a few weeks ago, we were having conversations about if, if Jimmy G, if it's time to, to oust Jimmy G for Trey Lance. Jimmy yeah, G really had good. a really good game. He had a really good game. Very he had a, even Brandon Ayuk, who, who had basically been like a, a ghost for the entire season, had a very impressive game. It, it, once again, Matt Stafford looked jittery. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah, uh, um, like the decision making is something that had me a bit annoyed, right? Um, on the very first drive, Stafford took a deep shot to, to OBJ and like triple coverage or something like that. And and I was I was like I I couldn't I couldn't understand I couldn't understand why he was forcing the ball. Why he's I mean it's the first drive of the game. Like try to settle yourself. Uh, we know you want to play with a new toy, but like let things happen naturally. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let things let, let yeah let, just let let's ease into things. Matthew Stafford did not look good. He all he obviously, as I'm as I'm guessing, you all already know. He there were some other instances in the game where he could have been picked off once again. Look, Stafford just didn't look good. Uh, um, like I said, the play calling decision made de defensively. They were um, the fourth and five that that Debo Samuel ended up scoring on, which which was his second touch. Look, how uh, looking at the play, just again terrible defense. Um. Tyler Higby, two drops. Cooper Cup had a crucial drop. Van Jefferson had the Rams just looked at like it unraveling. It is and and this is is not good enough from a team that is supposed to be like potentially winning this division and getting into the playoffs. Uh, and then oh and then sorry one more thing late again. Stafford got called very late. Um, right there was a fake, fake field goal attempt at the end of the first half. Bad decision making. Stafford again, a legal forward pass, senseless. Go to the, I, I don't understand what the Rams are doing. That, that, even, even the fact that they've brought in two new players is no excuse to be looking the way they did. They're they, they arguably my biggest losers, but I also have to mention Reed's guys, Reed's other guys. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks did not score a point. 
You see, I don't see Hawks didn't score a point. You, you know the other teams who haven't scored, uh, uh, who were shut out completely this season? Um, let me see here. Right, the Dolphins, Tua, who, who hasn't really set the world alight. The Jets and their rookie QB, Zach Wilson, and then the Texans. Enough said there. Listen, these men didn't even have a field goal attempt. I don't care if Russell Wilson just came back from injury or if he just came back from Mars. There's no reason, there's no reason why the Seahawks should have been in that position. I'm sorry, I had to mention those two. Ken, the floor is yours. Okay. So as you said, there were lots of lots of options. And they did also want to touch on the Rams getting beat by the Niners because the Niners, the only team that they have beaten at home in a year is the Rams. They beat them last season, then they've lost, I think they were I don't even remember the number, but they lost an entire year's worth of home games. Yeah, so they come back now and beat the Rams again. So if you're the Rams, you can't have that happening. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he's 5-0 and in his career against the Rams. I mean, we are, you know, we are so enthralled with the amount of skill that Jimmy Garoppolo has. However, and I don't, I'm not going to harp on him long because we can come back to them in a little bit. But the Browns. The Browns only scoring seven points against the Patriots. As you said, the Patriots do have a great defense, but you got to be able to do more than that. And they can leave that there for no. No, over to the moral victory. All right, hold on, hold on. Before you get to the moral victory, I just wanted to mention something on uh, some stuff that Ajay said. Look, as you, you, you mentioned the stats, he placed the Rams in the category of biggest losers. I did not put them there for some of the reasons that, one of the reasons you mentioned, Ken. When last has the Rams beat the 49ers? Not since forever. They don't beat them. They don't beat them. I, I understand I get that, but... that they look bad during the game, but follow this. I think the changes that, were, that they made recently kind of offset the chemistry a bit in the team. And, and also knowing that you're going up against the 49ers, a team that you don't beat. I think they started to overcompensate. They were trying too hard against the 49ers, and it just wasn't working out. They, as you said, they could not stop the run, and the 49ers looked so good. They looked like Super Bowl contenders right there playing against the Rams. And even though look, the first play, in terms of the, in, the interception, I do not think it was a game-changing play. You know? It was on the seven-yard line. The guys intercepted seven-yard line. They moved from there straight down the field to score. So it wasn't a bad interception in some ways in my mind. But the point that I think that, that, that one of the things that the 49ers did, they handicapped Jalen Ramsey. They hardly threw in his direction. And he just went berserk after that. His mind was gone. You saw him. He was just fuming. He was doing all kinds. He was just out of it from there. He could not impact the game. And therefore... All of that worked against the Rams. But I believe in two games' time, the Rams will begin to cook and look very, very good. Ominous, to say the least. I, so let me just reply to you here quickly because you still did mention the fact that you said it got to them. The Rams still, still were, were the authors of their own demise. And, and uh, you, could, you could say that, that the, the pick wasn't a game-changing play, but it was a poor decision from Matt Stafford. You had a very bad game in the last game. You, he, was, he was not very good last week, in week nine. Take your time. Get into the groove before you start making. The, the last thing you should be doing on the first drive of the game is trying to throw a deep ball into triple coverage with a receiver who has taken two 
catches from you or two targets, whatever it was, uh, um, since he joined the team. Work the ball down the field. It was senseless. It was just, I, I, like I said, it was a decision-making for me. I, the, the, I, I, all credit to the Niners at the end of the day, but the decision-making from the Rams could have been a lot better from the coaching all the way down to the guys on the field. Yeah, and I, the only thing that I would add where this Rams thing is concerned is don't forget to, coming into this game, Matthew Stafford banged up with a rib injury. Von Miller, it wasn't even confirmed until late in the week that he was actually going to play because he and his ankle still banged up as well. The Rams' bye week has come at an opportune time for them, but mm -hmm. we'll touch on... A little bit more where they're concerned in a second. So, AJ, we'll start with you now on the moral victory. Who gets your moral victory this week? Um, all right. Since we spent some, a good set of time on it, especially I did on the last segment, I'll be very short here. I think the Bucks. I think they had a bad night. It happens. I honestly do think still that they're the best team in that division. And once you win the division, then they know where they go from there. That's it. Interesting. Moral okay. victory? Yeah, because they, they, they lost. Yeah, because they lost. But I don't think I don't think that that it defines them as a team. They had a bad night. Fair enough. Well, I have their opponents as the ones with the moral victory. The Washington football team. They're going nowhere. But uh, <laughs> defeat the reigning champions. Kudos to you. And the way they did it was really spectacular. And uh, so I think they deserve to have that trophy as a moral victory. Okay. Well, I didn't see the Bucks as a moral victory. That was a shocker for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the Washington football team. I mean, their division is a little more competitive now than it has been in the past. So from that perspective, then sure, yeah, you win. Anytime you win a game, it is a good win. Uh, my moral victory this week is actually the Kansas City Chiefs. Because the Chiefs have looked so bad for so long to go to Las Vegas, who has had a defense that has been playing pretty well over the last, I don't even know how long. But to hang 41 points on a division rival in prime time, when the world is just waiting for your demise to continue, when we are all watching the flames burn, you know, like there's that meme of the dog that's sitting in the room that's on fire and saying, <laughs> oh, this is fine. That was Andy Reid. When his entire house is burning down, he was saying, you know, we just have to fix this. And, you know, we, we understand that we have to do better and whatever. And they were able to put it all together and absolutely manhandled the Raiders both offensively and defensively. I have to give them some level of credit for that. So that definitely is a moral victory, and hopefully this will propel them going forward into the rest of the season. Uh, let me take a second to defend, because I realize that both of y'all are skinning up your noses that might pick, right? The reason I said so as well <laughs> is because the Bucks had... I, I didn't want it to... to go on too long but let me just so the Bucks obviously lost to UCAN and, this, and your Saints then had their bye week and came back and lost this game like I said a, a division game is something that's hard to call you know and uh, as you said like the game between y'all that, that matchup between you guys the Saints usually come out on top so it, I, with that and then going into the bye week and coming out and 
losing the way they did because they were comprehensively beaten by Washington, who even lost Ch Chase Young before the end of the game, right? I, I just don't think that it's like a disheartening win. I don't think that anything could be uh, analyzed from that to say, well, okay, well, the Bucks are not as good as they thought. It was a bad week, and they're going to rebound. That's why I said it's just a moral, um, they could be my moral victory. You your mind, man. Uh, no, it's not. Tom Brady didn't have a very good game, but the team is still good enough to win, to win the division firstly, and then to go on and win. I believe so. Now, the, the, the only thing that I can't say about that, as you said, the team is good enough to win the division because none of the other teams in our division is good enough to win the division, in my opinion. However, when we talked about the Buccaneers losing before the bye week, you said that it was a bad day. They had the bye week, they came back, the loss again is another bad day. When you have too many bad days in a row, you know what happens? Your, your season is derailed. So, I, I'm hoping... I'm hoping that's, that's, that's my point. Yeah, I'm hoping that they continue that they continue to have bad days bad every day week month. from yeah, from now to the end of the season. <laughs> it, the only the thing that saved, too, though. the only thing that saved them is the fact that everybody else in our division lost this week. Well, exactly my point. All of that factors in. Okay, no problem. So then the least inspiring win, fellas. It just start with you again. Who gets your least inspiring win this week? And I'm going to stay right in that division. And I'm going to say the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers. Cam, I mean, Cam came back and he threw for, uh, not, sorry, threw for, he was thrown in for those two players and he scored. It, 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 was, a, it, was, a, it was a very touching moment. But does that make the Panthers a good team? No, it doesn't. I'm not convinced from that. Reed, even you said before that you, you're not uh, um, very enthused by it. You need to see a bit more from Cam as a starter. And I agree. I don't think that that win, because you, you said it yourself. I don't know why you're scared of your face. You said it that <laughs> it was like a bye week for Arizona because of the, the, um, the, the personnel that they were missing. I, I, just don't, I just don't believe that, that this win says anything about Carolina. No, I, I will say, I will say, I do believe that once Cam is back into this team as QB1, he will make their offense better. I honestly do believe that. But they're still, at best, the third best team in the division, arguably. And 2021 is done for them. Everyone knows that. I read. Your turn. You can yeah, rebut if not, you want. Yeah, it would not be. I mean, I, I understand the point, but leave Cam out the picture. I, I, the, the Panthers <laughs> win was not the least inspiring win. The Panthers had a good win. You still have to beat the team in front of you. They had a good win. The really? camp's performance was not inspiring for me because it, I didn't see enough. But Panthers overall had a good win. But So my, my, my pick is the Colts. The Colts, 20-17, to 17, that's the, against the Jags. That's just not inspiring. And Carson 23, Wentz, yeah? 23. 23 to 17. And 23, Car yeah. Carson Wentz for 180 yards, no touchdown. Those are wide receiver numbers. Cup and Kelsey can get those numbers on a given weekend. 180 yards, no touchdown. That is, I, I am the owner of the course. I would feel so bad by that, that, that victory. The Jags, they should beat the brakes off the Jags. At least throw for one touchdown. So for me, that's my least inspiring victory. The funny thing is, that is the same one I had picked as well as my least inspiring win. Because as you said, if you're playing against the Jaguars, 
and you're the Colts who just, you know, put up record numbers in your week, in your game the week prior. When, I mean, of course, again, it was the Jets, but we believe that the Jets and the Jaguars are both the same. <laughs> so if the Jets and the Jaguars are both the same and you could put 45 points on the Jets, then you should be able to put up more than 23 points on the Jaguars. So from that perspective, and you're still trying to chase down the Titans at the top of the division, who's already swept the, the, the division series with them, you got to do more. Your offense has to show more. But, of course, it's still early in the season. Relatively, we're coming into the, the back stretch now. So they have time to try to put things better. But the fact still remains that you have to do better when you're playing up against a team like the Jaguars. I get what you're saying, right? But I feel as a bit harsh. And you know, you know, it's well documented how I feel about Urban Meyer, but the Jags have actually been looking a bit more buttoned up recently. Let's not forget what happened with the Bills the week prior to it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So I understand yeah, the, the, the inclination is to think that, yes, they should be trampling the Jaguars, but the Jaguars ain't the Jets. The Jets are lost souls. The Jaguars actually seem like they're trying to get something together. So I feel like it's a bit harsh, but I take your points. Understood. All right. So that was the blitz. And now um, we did mention of this briefly during the blitz, but Odell Beckham Jr., who got his release from the Browns, I mean, he said that he was surprised at how everything played out, but we're not even going to touch on that. But Odell Beckham Jr. is a Ram. So, Reed, I'll give you first crack at this. When you when you saw or hear that OBJ has gone over to be a member of the Los Angeles Rams, what is your reaction to that? I was surprised. Unlike the you know the fantasy analysts, all came out. Some of them, those um, you know came out and said, oh, I, I was not surprised that he went to... And Rams were never in the contention. Rams were never in the conversation. They were a selected few teams and Rams were not one of them. So I was surprised, but I was like, wow, this changes the Rams for the better. Uh, I mean, they lost the Sean Watson, but they, they had... I think Sean Jackson. Ja Jackson, with the, not Watson, Jackson. I said just on Watson. Watson, the man will play game. Left for that man here. Left for that man here. Right. Jackson. And and I, I, I feel though, I mean, with time, but again, don't rush it. Don't rush it. I, I wouldn't even have played him and all that day. Don't, don't rush it. Give him some time. And that will take a lot of the load off Cooper Cup. And even give Cooper Cup a bit more freedom where defenses will now have to pay attention to both him and Odell Beckham. And I think Cup will now, numbers will now go up again and his season will start over in terms of his good numbers. So I, I like it. AJ, what about you? Well, um, unlike Reed, well, firstly, let me go back to, you remember when we were speaking last weekend, I only mentioned the Pats as a possible destination because obviously, talent-wise, OBJ is times better than whoever we have at the position, right? On our team. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, um, on, on, on a more realistic basis, the two teams that I 
thought would have been the best fit for him, just in terms of football-wise, were the Rams and the Packers, right? So I'm saying this to lead up to, to the time when the, when the decision was made. I, I wasn't surprised. In the end, I wasn't surprised because uh, the, the Rams just seemed to be... And can I feel like I even made, like, made a joke about this, about how the Rams was just signing anybody that was free. So I wasn't surprised that they were going to add OBJ to that offense. Um, and in, in addition to all that, right? <laughs> in addition to all that, I honestly believe that this move was about more than football. This move was about more. I don't know if you guys saw, he did kind of like an introductory video um, he, he actually released it on his social media platforms, um, referencing going back to Cali, the Biggie small song. There was somebody like calling it. I, I think it was an homage to the video itself, um, if I remember correctly. But I just feel like for him, LA ticked most of the boxes um, regarding football and out of football. It's true. Okay. Now, I was disappointed when I saw the older Beckham was going to the Los Angeles Rams. But that was mainly from the footballing standpoint. Because like your Patriots, there is a dearth of quality in the New Orleans um, Saints. New Orleans Rams. New Orleans Saints were receiving core. So Odell Beckham coming over to the Saints, he would have had an opportunity to be the number one receiver. Now, the Saints aren't in the biggest market However, there are a team that still does carry a certain level of popularity because the Saints have the most primetime games this season of all the teams in the NFL. So him coming to the Saints would have given him an opportunity to show that he is still that number one talent that he was able to display when he was with the Giants. He's been hurt every year basically since then. And he was not given an opportunity to show that when he was in Cleveland, but no, he had gone to make up a number, in my opinion, when he went to the Rams. No, it worked out in a way because no, he went from being a luxury piece to being a needed addition with the injury that Robert Woods has suffered with an ACL, mm -hmm. ACL tear. So with him out, they needed OBJ. But let you read, I don't think that he should have played this week because there's no way that OBJ coming in cold off the street, having not even played last week, into a team that is built completely different to what he was doing for the last two years. He would not have been primed to just step in and perform. So him coming in now, as you said, it would offset some of the chemistry. Stafford is going to try to get the ball to him, and the offense, the defense is going to know that. Now, for Odell Beckham to show that he is going to still have that spark, that juice, he needs opportunity. But Cooper Cup is still the man in Los Angeles. And Odell Beckham, for what we've seen over the last couple of years, is not a big enough draw for the defense to pull coverages his way away from Cup. So when I put all of that into perspective, it's like, well, yeah, it looks good. It sounds really good on paper. But when we actually know, boil it down and we see what's going to happen on the field, it might not work out the way that he's hoping. Yeah, I, I, I mean, 
he's a decoy right now for the Rams. That's how you see it. And your first game, fresh off the boat, and you with a tinted visor, I mean, you probably could hardly see the ball properly at all. I mean, the place was misty, all kind of stuff. I think he just, he had it wrong. But I, I get what you're saying in terms of the big city as well. Ajay, I think that's a good point. There's no way he was leaving Cleveland to go to Ken in New Orleans. That's, that's not going to happen. He's not going to suffer so long over there in Cleveland to go suffer in New Orleans again. That's not going to happen. So he's going to go to a big city. So Ken, you need to get Des Bryant if you need a wide receiver. And I also feel that in some, <laughs> in some ways right now, wide receivers changing a little bit. And when I say changing a little bit, I think OBJ is a bit too small now. So Cup is a, is a, has a bigger frame. So he could take a bit more punishment and he could do a little bit, a bit more with the ball, get in different spaces. I think like Deshaun Jackson and, and OBJ, these guys are a bit thin, too thin. And I think that can be a problem for them taking the hits and so on. That's just my perspective on it. I, I, I will add as a final note, though. Ken, if, if, if Drew Brees was still playing, I honestly could see OBJ being a saint. I honestly could, even if it was just for the remainder of this season, I could see him being a saint. You know, with that, with that, with that um, LS, uh, LSU, being LSU alum, you know, he has that Louisiana connection. Mm-hmm. If, if Jameis was there, still, you possibly would have had a better chance. But with Trevor yeah. Simeon, <laughs> you never yeah. stood a chance there. I, and he, he wasn't leaving Baker Mayfield to go to Trevor Simeon. I can't argue with that. <laughs> and that's one of the things I said to... I don't remember if I said it out loud, but mm. if uh, Jameis had not gotten hurt, we would have had a better chance of landing Beckham than no dealing with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill mm-hmm. and Ian Book, who we've not even seen since preseason. All right. So now, gentlemen, we get into who do you trust? And for who do you trust? We are looking at what we have seen over these past 10 weeks. And we have four teams, four situations that we're going to get into briefly. And the first one, do you trust the Cardinals still? The Cardinals have just, you know, had a very, very bad loss as far as they're concerned against the Panthers. The Cardinals who started out 8-0 have lost their last two games. Now they're 8-2. So... AJ, we'll start with you on this one. Do you still trust the Cardinals? Yeah, I do. I still trust the Cardinals because um, it, it, as Calamari's injury doesn't seem to be season-ending. So once he's back, I think they'll be fine. Um, plus, the Rams are clearly trying to stay in second place. So it, it bodes well for the Cards. Um, I don't have that much faith in the Niners and the Seahawks. <laughs> And, and look, just looking at, at the Cardinals' remaining schedule, they have a, a quite a number of winnable games. I don't want to call, just call the Seahawks a winnable game. They're not very good, but at the same time, it's a divisional game. Anything can happen there, right? They still have the Bears. Um, obviously, they're playing around, but then they have the Lions, Colts. Um, Cow- well, Cowboys, not easy, but see, I mean, I, I feel like their record at this point, given some of these matchups that they should be easily winning, and I think they still can, it means that they still will get to, um, to the postseason and with a good enough record. I, I can't see them falling off that far from this point. Okay, what about you, Reid? Yeah, I do trust them. Uh, as I said, the points that I made earlier, uh, the stars were out, and I think this is a good time to get uh, 
Kyler Murray some rest if they and get the ankle correct. Even if he has to sit out one more game, I think I don't think that would hurt them terribly. They can bounce back easily. So this is the time to get your players right so that you can chase the postseason. Don't worry about having an unbeaten record. I think unbeaten records haunt you. you every game is pressure. You don't want that. So I think that they're still trusted by me for sure. Okay. Well, I kind of trust them. Kind of, sort of-ish. The reason why I am not all in on the Cardinals at this point, yes, I do expect that the Cardinals should be able to hang on to win this division. As AJ said, the Rams right now are finding ways to lose games. And when you look at the rest of the division, right now the 49ers are 4-5 and five, and nobody thinks that the 3-6 and six Seahawks have a chance. So they have an opportunity still to win the division and they've already beaten the Rams. They do have, I think, I think, I can't remember for sure. Um, but if they haven't beaten them yet, then their season... Yeah, they've, they've, they've beaten the Rams one. Okay, so they've beaten them once, right. So at this point, they have the head-to-head, and if they beat them again in the sweep the season series, and they just have to continue winning the games in their division, and they'll come out on top. My reason, though, for being a little cautious with my optimism for the Cardinals is that the Cardinals were in play for that number one overall seed in the NFC. If they continue to drop games and other teams continue to win games, then this is going to be a little bit more of a dicey proposition because the number one seed, then you only need to win two games to win, to get to the Super Bowl. And you definitely will not have to be on the road at any point in time. Now, when you compare the other teams who are currently leading their divisions, the Packers are also tied on with them on 8-2. and two. And the last thing that the Cardinals want to do is to leave that nice cushy dome in hot Arizona and go to frozen Lambeau in January. So the fact that they are dropping games now is a bit of a concern, not necessarily for the division, but for their seeding going forward. So... Now, number two, AJ's favorite, uh, sorry, second favorite quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has has not looked very good this season. I, I don't think that I am being unfair to him when I say that. His rounds are five and five. And one of the best games that they played all around was when Baker was hurt and they inserted Case Keenum and they were still able to run the ball effectively. The fact that his backup came in and they looked pretty much the same. <sighs> Rita, I'll start with you on this one. Do you trust the Browns to keep faith with Baker going forward? Uh, but I mean, the ads alone tell me they have to. Those ads are just really nice. And that those because of those ads, those ads are really I mean, yeah. Because of the ads, they gotta keep him, man. You if you want to make money, you gotta keep Baker. Baker is a is a hit. But honestly, the, who else is out there? If you're gonna get a, I mean, a sure talent, somebody who's really good, a proven QB, yeah, go for it. But if not, I think you have to work with. And Baker have shown. A good set of sparks and that he can be good, but things around him need to complement so he can be good. The both of the running backs were out at some point in time in this season. So they had some issues, they had some challenges. So I think 
really and truly they need to keep faith with Baker because if not, they'll be down the, par the, the Carolina Panthers rabbit hole of QBs, searching and searching and not finding who they need. So work with what you have. Interesting. Uh, there's a point in there that I'll be coming back to. But go ahead, AJ. Do you trust your guy to continue in Cleveland? I'm, I'm, I read already said it, and I will just piggyback off of that. Yes, I do. Um, in, in addition to what he said, firstly, Baker has shown that he's a leader in his team. And the other members of this team, the other players on this team, they actually trust him as a leader. They believe in him as a leader. And I'm, I don't just mean on the pitch I'm talking about often. Remember Miles Garrett talking about the speech that he gave that rallied them to beat the, the Bengals and whatnot, right? I don't think that Cleveland's situation is bad enough at this point that they'll blow it up at the end of the season, right? Um, Stefanski found a formula that works with incorporating Baker. Um, it's a run-centric offense, and Baker doesn't have to do much but manage games. As, as Reed already alluded to, at, at certain point, like they've, they've had injuries with that um, backfield. Hunt on IR, Chubb has been in and out. I... I Again, Reed already said it. It's just about building the team around him. And more importantly, most importantly, who is out there? <laughs> Who's out there to go get at this point? If, if, since, since you've been building this project for this long, I don't think you're at the point where you blew it up or try to move on from your quarterback because the, you, there's no guarantee that you will get better. And, and, look, uh, and Reed already mentioned Carolina's situation. Look what just happened. Carolina had to go back to a quarterback that they released less than two years ago because there, there, there are not many um, options out there. And in, in any case, Cleveland has never been a team to bring in free agent quarterbacks. They're always trying to draft a franchise QB. I, I think what they've seen from Baker is good enough that what they will do is continue to build a team around him and, and, and just try to make the team stronger in that regard, um, offensively and defensively, because um, the pick and slim. It, if you let him go, there's no guarantee that you will do better. Build a, continue to build a system. I, and I believe that's what Stefanski and um, the GM, cannot remember what his name is, will do. So, remember, AJ, the conversations you and I have had with regards to one Jimmy Garoppolo. There's an interesting parallel here between Baker and Jimmy. And that um, parallel is that both of these are quarterbacks that their head coaches are doing their absolute best to hide. They're not trying to put the ball in their hand to make them go win any games because this is not a quarterback that will most likely win you the game if you have him go there and try to do that. But he will lose the game if you give him too much opportunity to do so. So from that perspective, I do not have the confidence in Baker Mayfield as the Browns' starting quarterback going forward if they want to win a Super Bowl. If they just want to be popular and have their stadium featured in ads, then they can continue to keep Baker because that is what Baker does best. Baker is a pretty good pitch man. He's a better pitch man than he is a throwing man as a quarterback. So from that perspective, I'm not... I'm not wowed by Baker at this point. No, Reed, as you made mention of the, the Panthers moving away from Cam and then going through a few quarterbacks and then having to go basically you know, going back to Cam. Do you know how many quarterbacks the Browns have had in recent years? 
since 1999 till 2018, which is when they brought him Baker Mayfield, they had 30 starting quarterbacks. You're not 30 years between 1999 and 2018, but they have 30 quarterbacks. AJ, as you said to your point, they don't bring in free agents and no free agent quarterback is expecting, no like no big name quarterback is going to leave where they are to come and just hand the ball off 30 times a game, which is also why San Francisco are struggling to get proper quarterback play and hoping now that Trey Lance is going to be the answer. So no, I'm I'm gonna cut my spiel at this point and say no, I do not trust Baker Mayfield going forward. I the way I see it is if Kirk Cousins could still have a quarterback job, then Baker can for a few more seasons as well. At home with Baker, boy. At home with Baker. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, progressive. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. So from Baker, no AJ, we go over to the other quarterback you and I have had extensive conversations about, and that is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, they continue to win games that we probably would not have expected them to win. And the Titans, right now, their record sits at drum roll, please. The Titans are currently... Eight or something? I think they are... Eight, eight and two. So they're also eight and two. Yes, mm-hmm. they're eight, eight and, two. and two. The Titans, over the last five games, have beat the Colts, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints. So, do you trust, Reed, the Titans, to emerge from the AFC? I mean, I do. I think the, the Titans have grit I think they're even with Henry out I still believe they can do it they just they, they, this is a team that's just fighting and really fighting well the coach is fired up there's just good chemistry all around I, I, I like the vibe so I believe that they can I, I just I honestly do you know I, I, on a side note we said there are not many QBs out there I think Marcus Marriott is a, still a good one but anyhow that's a side note but yes the Titans yeah sure all right, AJ, what will you? Do you think that the Tiny Hill quarterback Tennessee Titans can make it out of the AFC? Man, you know what? I I, I, I don't know if I just hate him, but I don't. I still don't <laughs> trust the Titans. I don't. I, 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 you mean to cut, like, let me let me make sure to clarify this. You mean to come out as in to win the AFC? Yes. To Heck win no. The AFC. No, I don't. I don't. I'm still not convinced. And I, I, I never did. Uh, the the uh, when they brought in Julio Jones, you know some analysts were saying, all right, well that makes them AFC favorites now. Julio has added absolutely nothing to the Titans this season, mind you. They've been winning games without him. AJ Brown has not been having the same effect either. Derrick Henry is now down, and I, I I mean they are finding ways to win games. I get it, but I'm not convinced. At the end of the day, like this, whatever whatever little purple patch they're going through is not going to sustain all the way through the playoffs. When other teams are uh, when um, more injuries and attrition become an issue. Well, not just for them, but for other teams. And other teams know how the game plan. Yes, they've been um, to the postseason last year, so it's not like they're completely new. But I just, I just don't have faith in them so, to, so to look, come out. When you say come out, you mean make it to the Super Bowl? You mean yeah, it as in, yeah, make it to the Super Bowl, as in to win the AFC. Oh. I don't. I do not have that kind of faith in the Titans. I don't. 
Because at the end of the day, it, I, I believe that whoever they meet in the AFC championship game is going to outcoach um, Mike Vrabel, and the quarterback is going to outplay Ryan Tannehill. And that's what it comes down to for me. All right. Reed, you, you want to um, amend your thought, or are you good? No, I will still stick with it because who will challenge the Titans? The Chiefs or the Bills? And I think that they can beat both of those teams. And that is exactly where I was going to go as well. Where I actually do trust the Titans. You know, this is not like if I'm saying pushing all of my chips into the center of the table on behalf of the Titans. But you have to look at the resume. And when you look at the resume of a team, is who you is who you beat and at what point did you beat them? So like I just said, they just went on a six game, they're on a six game winning streak. Where the last five games, they smote the Colts, they bamboozled the Bills, they massacred the Chiefs, they sacrificed the Rams, and they made the Saints uh-huh. little sinners at the end of that uh-huh. game. So uh-huh. when you put all of that into consideration and the fact that now they have the easiest schedule by win percentage of all the teams in the NFL going forward, there's nothing to stop them from easily grabbing the number one seed in the AFC. And again, once they have the number one seed, it's only two games. Both of those games are at home. And when you take into consideration that the heavy hitters, the current heavy hitters in the AFC are teams that they have already beaten and beaten soundly in the Bills and the Chiefs, who's going to stop them? Because they've gone up against these better head coaches with better quarterbacks, and they've beat both of them. So In the regular season, the Saints beat the Bucks in two games in the regular season last year, and I'm bringing up this because it's the first one that came off the top of my head. I, I don't trust it when it comes to the postseason. We're talking about, number one, John Harbour, John Harbaugh and, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, that's a better dynamic to me. Um, Sean McDermott and, and, and Josh Allen. All right. You could go back and forth about, about the head coach there. Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Then we talk, listen, as, as, as bad as the Kansas City Chiefs were, we're still talking about Andy, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Like I said, it comes down to head coach and quarterback for me. I don't have faith in this team to, to be able to, to play four quarters where Ryan Tannehill plays better than either one of those, not either, but any one of those quarterbacks that I just mentioned, or Mike Vrabel has, has the, the, the tactical news to, to outcoach those guys. I just don't see it. I don't see it, not to win the AFC. Okay, no problem. All right, and then lastly, we are talking about Edges Patriots. We're giving them a feature. Here in do, who do you trust? Now the Patriots are six and four. Matt Jones is the first rookie with three plus passing touchdowns and zero interceptions in a game in New England history. He has been a very good game manager, and the defense has been playing at an elite level. So, the simple question is: Do you trust the Patriots, AJ? Uh, yes, yes. On the grounds that at the beginning of the season, what I told you was that at best, I think we're going to make um, get into a wildcard spot. 
And success for me is just not being one and done. Right? So if, if we win World Cup weekend, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with that. I'd, I'd, I'm under no illusions that our offense is good enough to carry us past. And I, I just mentioned the, the rest of the AFC um, heavy hitters. Like, obviously, Bill is a legendary coach, but at the end of the day, I don't know if our offense will be good enough to take us further, as, as great as the defense is. But I trust us to get out of the division and get into the postseason, basically. Right. What about you, Reed? I know you had some thoughts on the Patriots, so I'll give you, I'll give you the floor, sir. I, I, I wish I could <clears throat> say otherwise than what I'm going to say. I wish I could say don't trust them. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Matt Jones fan. I, from before the draft, everybody, I'm a Matt Jones fan. I didn't like the turning ankle situation, but hey, I'm a Matt Jones fan. But uh, I don't like the Patriots. Right? Don't like them. And cutting cam made it worse. But <laughs> I trust them. <laughs> I would not, I not, not I, I do trust them to make it to the playoffs. And as I said, I don't think the team that they will face in the first one would be too comfortable facing them in the playoffs. Okay. Well, I guess it's a clean sweep here because at this point, I also have to say that I do trust the Patriots to emerge out of this playoff field as a world character. I do not expect that they'll be able to catch the Bills and win the AFC East, but they have shown enough that they can win enough games to get to the playoffs. And I do believe that they can spring an upset in the playoffs. Now, as a rookie for Matt Jones, it is going to be interesting to see how he copes with that playoff atmosphere and how he's going to deal with whatever the other team comes up with. But the Sith Lord will always find a way to get his defense playing against the strengths of the opposition. They don't have that number one corner right now to put them on the second wide receiver yeah well I mean you talked about Matt Jones uh, twisting the ankle right but the the for me the Patriots have always been that team that embodies the statement if you're not cheating you're not trained so when you put all of that into perspective then he's just at home no with all of that then you have to expect that the Patriots will make the playoffs and could potentially Spring the upset in World Carrot Weekend. Is it? Do you have any thoughts before? Uh, my only thought right now is that this is a really tough crowd. I'll leave it right there, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that right there. Okay, sir. No problem. And so, now as we've come almost to the end of another Green Beach podcast episode, we look ahead for week 11. And we're trying to decide which games are those that, you know, take our attention. So, Reed, I'll give you first crack. Which are your tastiest matchups for Week 11? Unlike the other weekend that was coming when I came on the show last time, this weekend is pretty packed in terms of action. I think, for me, this is one of the best weekends if you're looking for action. Packers, Vikings, Saints, Eagles, Panthers, Washington, just because of the Ron Rivera factor and Cam Newton and so on. 
Bengals, the Bengals and Raiders, Cowboys and Chiefs, Cardinals, Seahawks, Steelers, Chargers, Giants, Tampa Bay, just because of the Tom Brady, the Giants kind of factor. So I think those are all for me tasty, tasty games to, to look forward to watching. Unfortunately, you can't watch all at the same time, but those are some pretty tasty games. You know, the only game that you did not make mention of, well, two games you didn't make mention of was the Super Bowl rematch, Patriots and the Falcons, and the Lions and the Browns. Kind of game, man. Those are not games. I'm just saying, you you just went through pretty much every game, or oh, and the Dolphins and the Jets. You just called pretty much all of the rest. But AJ, who who are you looking forward to the most this weekend? Well, I, as the Homer, a resident Patriot fan, I have to say that I am looking forward to our Thursday night game. Um, prime time, as you said, is you, you know the funny thing is I didn't even remember that this is a Super Bowl um, rematch because it doesn't even feel that way because Brady's not there anymore. Uh, so it, for me, it, I was just thinking about it as this is another game that we should be winning. We've been on an impressive streak. I, I want to see how we do in the short week. Bill Belichick is usually very prepared. I don't want any smart comments here or smart thoughts even while as I'm saying this. But yeah, he's usually he usually. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. That was a good one. But no, nah, um, Bill usually prepares very well. Um, like I said, it's the short week. Things tend to happen in that week that are unpredictable. But uh, the Falcons, after coming off of an impressive victory against the Saints and then completely laying an egg um, against the Cowboys, I, I don't know what to make of them. I, I think this is a game that the Pats should be winning. So for me, it, it kind of starts there. And I feel like Reed mentioned everything else, so there's no need for me to reiterate. Okay, so there are a couple of games that I'm very curious about. That I, I mean, Reed gave us all the headline ones, right? But you see the Ravens and the Bears, especially how mm-hmm. the Ravens has not been—they've not looked very good um, mm-hmm. most games. And Lamar Jackson basically has to come pull a rabbit out of a hat. I'm curious to see what they do against that Bears defense. And their defense has not been playing very good either. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Bears can do against. The Ravens. No, the Saints playing against the Eagles. We really need to, to bounce back. Jalen Hurts. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do in this game because Hurts is much better at running the ball than he is passing the ball. But he's going up against a Saints defense that nobody can run against. So to see what he can do there, I of course, I'll be backing the Saints to win that game. And then I'll just make mention of one more, and that is the Steelers and the Chargers. Now, the Chargers, they need to get themselves back on track because now that they have continued to drop games, they have given an opportunity back to the Chiefs. I think after the Chiefs won on Sunday night, they are sitting at the top of their division or they're second behind the Chargers, but I think their records are the same. So from that perspective, the Chargers need to course correct. The Steelers having just wet the bed against the Lions, literally, because, you know, the rain would not stop falling. <laughs> they need to do better when they step indoors now against the Chargers. They also need to get some wins under their belt if they are going to stand any chance of reaching the postseason, which many of us do not believe that they will actually accomplish. 
All right, gentlemen. So that is a great landing spot for us to end this week's episode of the Green Bears podcast. As always, we want to thank you, Jason Reed, for joining us tonight well today whenever you're watching this and we will definitely have you back later on in the season especially when we've seen a few games from that day in your your background (laughs) of course and yes do not forget that we will be joining you again tomorrow with the fantasy spot there are lots of things happening this week that are noteworthy for fantasy, and we would definitely help to get you prepared for what's coming up this weekend. So, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we will see you next time.